Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. That's what you're here for, the red letter basics. Examining the Word of God, following the example of the Book of Acts Church, we discover how the early church served the Lord, we follow that example, and we regain the world-shaking influence that they had. We do that by digging deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We don't change it to suit our needs. And in doing so, we discover the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. The Porch is an online community of believers, restoring the priesthood of the believer and the world, shaking influence that they had, the evangelism that they had, the miracles that they had. That's what we want. And when do we want it? We want it now. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to go into it. Cheerleader champ, but it's true. We want it now. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns, still available to anyone that wants it. Porch is an outreach Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. Go to onsolomonsporch.org if you need to connect with us there, or you can go to Firefall Talk Radio at firefalltalkradio.com. Contact us. Let us know if you have any needs, praise reports, prayer requests that you want to share. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio, the main broadcasting site. You can download and archive the shows here. We also do it at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Blog Talk Radio, and hoping to soon be on Amazon. If you want to support what we do, there are ways to do that, starting with the PayPal link at the bottom of the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. You can use the Venmo app. Easier to use, less fees. Well, there is at Firefall Media Group, one word, uppercase on the F, the M, and the G. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Those of you that do support us, thank you. Thank you very much. We count on it, and uh, just give us the Lord leads. Anyone not wanting to hear the community part of the porch can jump directly to the chapter marked Shofar and go right into the lesson. Well, here we are. We're in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles, October 3rd through the 9th. We've got two more days. And then on the 10th, we have the Great Convocation. It's a time of harvest, the final harvest. It's time to express the appreciation for the bounty of God, for his miraculous provisions in the wilderness. And you know what? We live in a fallen world. This is not our home. We're on a journey to a better place, to a heavenly promised land. So I guess we're in the wilderness. Every day is a time of praise, Psalms 113 through 118. Well, let's start out by praising him. I praise him for my home, for my wife of 40 years, my family, my two sons, two daughter-in-laws, and our wonderful grandson, our furry kid. Some of you call him pets. And all the possessions and all the things he's given us. Everything comes from him. Praise him for his protection over each and every one of us. Everything going on around you, no matter what, that Psalm 91 covering is in effect. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But it will not come near you. Only with your eyes will you see the reward of the wicked. Everything going on in the world. Praise him. Praise him for his favor. Praise him for his revelation. Just praise him for everything. 
Get up in the morning and praise him. Your eyes are open, that, that you have a home, a roof over your head. No, no matter whether you like it or not, you have one. If you have a job, praise him for it. If you have a family, praise him for it. Find something positive in your life and focus on it. Hey, you're a new creation. That's something to praise him for. And you're living in prophetic times where we're getting to see prophecy fulfilled. Well, you could praise him for living in America if you do. Well, yeah, I know that there are problems and there's things going on, but you can still worship freely, well, depending upon where you live. Uh, that's getting a little crazier in some of the cities. Um, praise him for the signs that he's getting ready to return. I don't know when it's going to be, but I believe that we are in process. So let's pray. Pray for the Middle East, for Israel, and the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Pray for America. Pray for its leaders. Pray for those that are in positions of governance and power, that they would do things as the Lord wants done. Pray for divine justice in our judicial and legal system. Begin to pray. Begin to intercede. Pray for the citizens in America. There's a lot of unrest, a lot of places right now you wouldn't want to live. Well, those religious leaders need to rise up, and we need to come into agreement with them. Pray for all the evil and the darkness to be exposed and dealt with. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, the slaughter of the innocents in and out of the womb, both human and animal. I pray for missing and exploited children, the victims of human trafficking, sex trafficking, for the satanic, depraved business that has been going on for millennia. For our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. Every day you read about it more and more, whether it's religious persecution, whether it's anti-Semitism, it's growing. The spirit of the Antichrist, it's roaming about, it's gaining strength, it's feeding on the ugliness and the evil out there. Well, we know it's here, we know it's happening, so it's getting ready, so so must we. Pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design, healing my wife, Deb, and all of you that have some kind of struggles, whether through sickness, illness, injury, disease, whatever it is, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, in the name of the Messiah, in the name above all names, be healed, receive your blessing, receive your healing. Let the power of the Holy Spirit run through you like a lightning bolt and touch those areas that need to be healed. I pray for the protection we need, the inspiration we need for the remnant. That's what you are. You're the remnant. I don't preach to the church. Church doesn't want to hear what I have to say. Wake up. Let's rise up. Let's answer the call to action. Whatever he's put upon your heart, do it. Praying that those that have been blessed would be a blessing, that the doors would open for the documentary, we'd finish it, that we would prosper in accordance with his word that the open conduits of his blessings to fund the dreams, the visions, and the missions would be made available and manifest into our possession. Praying that we become highly mobile, highly effective, that we get to drive where we're going because we have the right vehicles to do it in, that we own our own equipment so that we don't have to rent them or borrow them or whatever. We can have equipment that is Hollywood-approved, streaming-approved, but you didn't know that. To shoot something and put it on Netflix or Amazon or whatever, it's got to be done with certain equipment. 
Hollywood's going to need content. Movie theaters are shutting down. Everything's going to streaming. We believe that we have something to say and something to do. So pray with us that it gets done. I asked you, I've asked you over for months to continue to pray for divine favor and the conclusion of legal matters and our adversity has been going through and things are being resolved. One is done, another one's in process, and another one just simply is going to have to wait for the miracle blessing of God to come and for him to make up for what the world has not done. Continue to pray for my brother Larry, SRT member. He's going through some issues legally and other things. You know what? Just pray for us. Pray for SRT. Pray for Firefall on the porch. And let's pray for our lost family members. I'm going to pray for them right now. Father, in the name of Yeshua, each and every one of us have family members, brothers, sisters, maybe mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, cousins, friends, whoever, family members that are not saved, not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, we just call for you right now to send your angels, send the Spirit, speak to them, Lord, that they would find their way out of the darkness and into the light, that they would find their way home to you. We touch, we agree, in Yeshua's name, amen. Kim and Fort Mitchell has asked for an unspoken prayer request for her and her family, so please pray for her and them. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you. Bless the technology. Bless our time. Bless every word tonight. Let it do what you need it to do. In Yeshua's name, amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we've been starting out each week with Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I hope you're doing this. I hope you're listening. I hope you're applying what you're hearing. Speak to your Abba Father in the morning. Speak to your Abba Father who's in heaven. Acknowledge that his name is holy. Ask him to let his kingdom come and rule on earth in your life and everything around you as it does in heaven. Ask him for the daily bread like the manna in the wilderness and, of course, the living bread of Yeshua. Let him know that you want his forgiveness as you forgive others, which is a reminder to forgive and that you would let go of any debts and any resentment that you have toward anyone. Remember, if you don't forgive, he can't forgive you. Ask him to lead you away from the snares and the temptations of the evil one's kingdom. You can't always see him. Most of the time, you're deceitful. They're very well hidden. Just say, Lord, Father, just Abba, don't let me get tripped up. Don't let me get caught in those traps and snares. 
and then acknowledge that it's his kingdom you seek. It's his power and it's his glory that you want in your life forever, here and now and in the world to come. You want his rule, the sovereignty, the dominion, the power, the control over all things in heaven, done on earth as it pertains to us, his church. You want, you should anyway, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit given to us in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, still available to us with a physical manifestation because of that, of the divine presence of God, our Father in our lives, because of Messiah Yeshua. We have been allowed to sit with him in the heavenly places. We have been allowed to bask in his glory and be transformed day by day, now and forever. Just like Moses on Mount Sinai, we want our body, our cells, our DNA to absorb the glory of God so that we can radiate it outward into the darkness. So the people that are trapped, maybe they're blinded by sin, maybe they're blinded by their condition. They could find their way out. They could look at you and go, I want what you have. You just radiate. I want that. And then, of course, you get to tell them about the Lord. I've been reminding you of Matthew six thirty three, to seek for, to aim at, to strive after, first of all, his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, his way of doing things and being right, which comes from relationship with him. And then when that happens, all the things taken together will be given to you. What things? Food, shelter, clothing, blessings, peace, whatever the kingdom of God offers will be yours. It's covered. You need it, it's there. But don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. The kingdom of God is not about what you eat, about what you drink, or what religious uh, hop, skip, and a dance you do. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. Some of you struggle with this. You have been programmed. You've been indoctrinated with the ritual of religion. It's real easy to do. The form, the formality, the external accoutrements of the lights and the lamps and the banners and all the things we think bring the Lord into the situation when actually they interfere with it. That's not what the kingdom of God is. It's internal. It's from the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. It's going to come up again. Hold on to it. You want to be free. Are you free? Or are you still trapped? Do you still drag along some of the old grave cloths from the tomb? Are you still got the, the, the rattling of uh, the chains of bondage behind you? Shake it off. In the name of Jesus, stop dragging your old nature with you. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed, unquestionably free. That's the kingdom of God. See, that's what we're seeking. At least that's what I'm seeking. Hopefully you are too. I, don't, I, don't, I hear from the same people all the time. I don't get a whole lot of feedback. But that's okay. Because you know what? Today's Bible study isn't for you. It's for me. I'm just going to share it with you. 
But to overcome the, the fallen world, we need to become the agents and the representatives of the kingdom of God. We need to live a life of freedom. And last week we talked about the voice of the kingdom from the Lord's perspective. Well, here I want to talk about something else. But we also talked about applying the imperative of what the Lord said into our personal situations. Remember, we talked about speaking to the mountain and would be moved, Mark 11, 22 through 24, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Speak to the mountain. Tell it to move from here and there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew seventeen twenty. You can even speak to the fig tree and tell it to bear fruit no more. Why? Because the power of the kingdom on your voice is overcoming physics. It's overcoming the rules of nature and, the, and all the, the, the laws of the natural world because the voice that you're speaking with is not of this world. That's what the Lord was trying to teach his disciples. That kind of faith works miracles. It also is the basis for answered prayer. I don't know about you, but I want that kind of faith. I want mountain-moving faith. I want the power of the spoken word with the explosive dunamis of the Holy Spirit to be creative, to be dynamic, I want lives to be changed. I want what I say to happen. I know it's possible. I've lived in moments of it. But the problem is, one moment you're speaking with the voice of the kingdom, and then you have the voice of the world. The the world is always pulling you back. It's always pulling you down. It's always trying to shut you up. Well, here's what I'm telling you. Don't let it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And what fruit are you going to eat, death or life? Proverbs eighteen twenty one. So speak life. Speak his life into your situation. Declare his sovereignty. Proclaim his power. Affirm his faithfulness. Stand on his word. Don't back up. Don't back down. Speak it. Speak to things not as they are, but as they should be in accordance with his word and his will. What is his will? It's his word. That's how you find it. You cling to his promises, just like the woman with the issue of blood cling to the tzitzits on his tallit, his prayer shawl. Walk in victory, but walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, once you've done that, Once you have obtained his righteousness, peace, and joy, this is the next part. We must become his voice to the world. See, we have to apply this. The problem with most of the hmm, teachings, I'm not going to label it with a particular denomination or genre, most of the teachings are not there to 
inspire you to apply them. They're there to uh, give you knowledge, gnosis. They're there to make you think that the teacher is so smart or get you to buy their books or their DVDs. I don't care about any of that. I really, really don't. All I care about is you becoming the kings and the queens and the priests and and the the powerful people that he desires you to be. All I care about is you becoming kingdom of God residents full-time, 24-7, and shaking the world and healing the sick and doing the things that he did. But to do that, we have to watch what we say. We have to watch what we do. One of the things that pulls us out of the kingdom quicker than anything is begin to speak like the world speaks. Begin to think like the world thinks. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Oh, didn't you know the world's looking for answers? You don't know what the questions are, but you should. They need answers. But it has to come from kingdom of God dwellers whose conduct is upright and honest. I cannot tell you in the almost 32 years, it'll be 32 years in two days on the ninth, the amount of dishonesty that I have seen and experienced in his church. We need to become people of integrity so that our words and our actions don't cause a reproach upon him and upon the kingdom and upon the the church itself, that which we profess. We need to act with prudence and propriety towards the outside world. Oh, I know it's difficult, but you can't act like they act. You can't be like them. It's the most important thing that you can remember about being in the world and not of the world is how important your witness is. That expression to those who are without, well, they're without the Lord and they are outside the church, but they're just not professing Christians. They're not believers. They don't believe in the King of kings and Lord of lords. Their eyes are blinded. So you must treat them Accordingly, 1 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 9, I write to you in my epistle, this is Paul, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have, what have I to do with judging those who are also outside? Do, not, do you not judge those on the inside? Here, let me make this real simple for you. Paul wasn't saying, stay away from the world, stay away from the sinners. If you stay away from them, who's going to tell them? Who's going to be the example? No, what he's saying is within the house of the Lord. And you've got to realize that the church in Corinth must have had a whole lot of stuff going on. Sexually immoral, covetous, extortioners, idolaters, revilers, drunkards. 
judgment begins at the house of the Lord. And they were surrounded by unbelievers just as we are now. Nothing is different. Your witness, your kingdom of God witness is vital to a dying world, to a world that needs change. It's changing, by the way. It's decaying. So therefore, how we act, how we speak, we must do so with caution. We must do so with politeness. Why? Well, the world is judging us. It's judging our faith. It's judging the Lord. It's judging the church, not from what we say, but from what we do. Not from the preaching of the books or the conducts of the Lord or his apostles, but through us in our daily walk and our conversations with them. If they see that your profession and your actions don't match, they see hypocrisy and you drive them away from the Lord. Your voice must be pure. Your words must be well chosen. They must be seasoned with salt. You don't have to drop scriptures every third word or every sentence or whatever, but what you speak should have the context of the word, should have the spirit of the word upon it. We have got to be more honest and have more integrity than the world. We can't lower ourselves to them. As I said, even before I got saved, some of the most corrupt, ungodly people I met claimed to be godly. doesn't matter what you do on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day you worship. doesn't matter how much you run up and down the aisles or how loud you sing or how high you raise your hands if the fruit on your tree is rotten. If you claim to be his, if you claim to be born again, if you claim to be a member of the kingdom of God, your behavior should line up with that. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's not about what you say. It's about what you do. It's about your witness. That's what the world is looking for. And we must redeem the time, as that scripture says. It's also in Ephesians five, fifteen and 16. See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Psalm ninety twelve teach the, teach us the number of our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Redeem the time. Use the time properly. How many of you and we're all guilty of it. Waste time in our day for things that have no kingdom value. I, I've shared this with you when I was a, a, a new Christian, not a baby Christian, but a new Christian. I had a brother of mine come up to me and say, you got to be careful, brother. You're so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. And I threw my Bible at him and I said, show me where it says that in there. I said, it doesn't. Our mind should always be on heaven, should always be on him, should always be on his return, should always be on the Great Commission, should always be that as representatives of the kingdom of God, how do I need to act, what do I need to say, what do I need to do 
to be about my Father's business. And therefore, we have to watch our speech. Let your speech, our conversation, the words that come out of your mouth cannot be worldly words. And it's real easy to do. It's really easy to slip back into old habits, old programming. Our conduct towards an unsaved world should be wise, sensible, and careful. Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech at all times be gracious, pleasant, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may never be at loss to know how you ought to answer anyone who puts a question to you. You should be ready to answer. You shouldn't have to say, well, you know what? You need to ask Richard Grun that, or I need to go talk to him and ask him first. You should be ready. You should be have listened enough by now and studied enough by now that the word is in you, whether you can give me chapter and verse, comma and dot, or whatever like some people can. That's The Holy Spirit will use you if you let him, but you have to eat the bread of the word. It's got to be inside of you. I mean, look at Yeshua um, at the age of 12 when he went to Jerusalem with his, with uh, Joseph and Mary, and they couldn't find him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Even he had questions, and they had questions of him. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe in that Bible? It's a bunch of man-made stories. Next week, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to start getting into a little more, oh, I don't know what you'd call it, the particulars. Some of you don't even know why you believe what you believe. You don't even know why the books are in the order they're written or what. You just don't know. We're going to start talking about that because people will ask you, And you have a moment right then and there. If you have a smartphone, a smart device, look it up quickly. Hey, you know what? I don't don't have that answer, but let me look it up right now. But do it with grace. Do it with love. 1 Peter 3, verses 15 through 17. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Messiah may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Every day, Lord, how... How can I be used? How can you use me? Let me know. Put your words inside of me. Set your heart on Messiah. Be set apart and holy. Acknowledge him as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to give account for that hope that's in you. Why do you believe in in this guy, this dead carpenter? And if you don't have the answers, look them up. There's some great books out there. More Than a Carpenter, Josh McDowell, uh, evidence that... Um, it just went out of my head. Evidence for, I'm going to look it up right now. I am, see, I'm going to look it up. I'm not going to let it go. Evidence that demands a verdict. That's it. 
There's so many books out there that will give you the answer that you need. Get them. Read them. Some people want to study other religions. Well, I want to know what other people believe. Well, tell me why you believe what you believe. Understand that first before you look at these other things. I think that's great so that when you talk to them, you can counter what their beliefs are. But that doesn't work if you don't know why you believe what you believe. We're going to have enemies. We're going to have persecutors. We better know how to speak properly. You can't get angry. You can't lash out. You can't do what the world does. Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Luke 6.26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. I'll tell you right now, I've said it before, write it down, put a date on it. Somebody says that they're a prophet and they draw large crowds, I tell you that they're not. Real prophets don't draw large crowds. They don't have huge followings. You know why? Because they'll read your mail. They'll tell you what you were doing in the darkness. They will expose you to get you to repent and get right with the Lord. That's why in the Bible they usually killed them. If the world speaks well of you, if you're popular with the world, when you see famous preachers and Bible teachers popular with the world, Raise an eyebrow. What's up with that? Why would the world like them? Oh, they they like Jesus. The world didn't like Jesus. He went places where he convicted people and he touched their hearts. And there were people in the world that liked him. But the world, for the most part, wanted to kill him. And it did. But as a resident of the kingdom of God, you should aim by incessant study and prayer, to know what is right and then always do it, no matter what the consequences may be. Sin is knowing to do right and not doing it. Psalm 15, verse 1, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness, and speaks truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. What does that mean? He keeps his word even to his own disadvantage, and doesn't change it for his own benefit. Well, the world tells you to do otherwise. The world tells you to take care of number one. The world tells you to do whatever it takes to get over, to get by. My biggest, One of my biggest pet peeves, my wife will tell you, people that don't keep their word and people that lie. And if they say that they're believers, I know that they're having a problem. Because in the world there seems there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Those exact words are in Proverbs fourteen twelve and Proverbs sixteen twenty five. I guess he was trying to make a point. 
This is not our home, folks. We don't belong here. We don't fit in here. Well, we are not to fall prey to unrighteous passion, to resentment, or to respond in anger or a revengeful manner. But we have to do everything in a calm, gentle spirit so that we can show our faith and our hope by our actions, by what we say, and leave the matter there. You don't have to convince anyone of anything. Just state your case and let the Spirit do the rest. And I'm going to tell you another thing. Social media is designed to agitate you. It's designed to get a response. And if you're having a problem with that, get away from it. Be delivered from it. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentleness will disarm the most furious people, but angry words will be like throwing fuel on a fire. My wife can tell you, pre-saved me, and sometimes even now my tongue can get me in trouble. I was born and raised um, in uh, Queens, New York. We lived other places. But the thing about people from Queens, they have a very sharp tongue. Oh, they can fight and do all the other things that all the other boroughs can do. But the guys from Queens like to drive you crazy with sarcasm and insults and get you all riled up with the tongue. Unfortunately, our president is from Queens. And he he acts just like somebody from Queens, somebody who's grown up in that atmosphere. And I would I wish that he wouldn't do that. But then again, I didn't vote for him to be a pastor or a preacher or a religious man. But I get it. I know why he does what he does. Because that same nature is always present. And if I'm tired or I've allowed something to annoy me, it's really easy for me to cut you with my tongue or to be quick-witted and sarcastic, maybe even rude. So this Bible study is for me. I've been before the Lord today about those things, about resorting to old habits. Because I want to live in the kingdom all the time. I don't want to come out of it. It means we have to moderate our emotions and make them fit the context in which we're speaking to others. You know what? Your reaction is your responsibility. It doesn't matter what they said. doesn't matter what they did. Your reaction is your choice. And in a world right now so agitated, angry, and violent, it's really easy to lash out, to fight back, to hit back. But that meekness, that controlled power, means you have to listen. The Lord may say, be silent. He may say, walk away. He may say, run away. And if there is no other option, he may say, stand. But can you hear his whisper in the whirlwind of that moment? Do you know his voice so clearly? Can you hear the Holy Spirit when he says, stop, don't say that? Don't do that. It's not what we say. It's how we say it. It's what we do. 
in a wise person, a person with the wisdom of the kingdom, knows how to answer rightly, but a fool has no true sense of that. Don't be fools. Don't be foolish for the world. Don't be foolish in the world. Now, unfortunately, this is especially true for those that are called to teach or to preach. James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brethren, for you know that we teachers will be judged by a higher standard and with greater severity than other people. Thus we assume greater accountability and more condemnation. For we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things, and if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things. He is fully developed character and is a perfect man, able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. If we set bits in the horse's mouth to make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. Likewise, look at the ships. Though they're so great and are driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, whatever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Even so, the tongue is a little member and it can boast of great things. See how much wood or how great a forest a tiny spark can set ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the, the whole body and setting it on fire, being ignited by Gehenna itself. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile or sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human nature. But the human tongue cannot be tamed by no man, can be tamed by no man. It's restless, undisciplined, irreconcilable, evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. These things, my brethren and my sisters, ought not to be so. Does a fountain set forth simultaneously from the same opening fresh water and bitter can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine figs? Neither can a salt spring furnish fresh water. Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works with humility, with the proper attribute of true wisdom. I've known a lot of men and women in the church, leaders, preachers, teachers, some more famous than others. And I've got to see them behind closed doors. I've got them to see in uh, unguarded moments. None of us are perfect. None of us have attained it yet. But I will tell you this, it is something to desire so that Fresh water and salt water don't come out of the same fountain. Or that a tree bears a different kind of fruit than its nature. Commingling the two worlds, the two words, the two wisdoms, the two spirits is not possible. And neither should it be in us. So I'm trying to get you to be representatives of the kingdom. 
I'm trying to be a representative of the kingdom. I'm trying to walk in it in such a way that people don't have to ask me, are you a believer in Yeshua? They'll just know. How is it that we can bless the Father, praise him, thank him, worship him, and then curse a person? But we do, because we're still in process. We're still subjecting our old nature. And I find that the old nature comes back to life when we feed it more than we feed our spirit. Or when we are distracted in the cares of this world or the things of this world. Or we're caught up in politics or things that make us argumentative. Things that get us angry. Things that get us agitated before you know it. It's alive. It's awake. Keep that old nature dead. Don't feed it. The unsaved world is supposed to be opposite of those of the kingdom of God, and those of the kingdom of God are supposed to be opposite of the world. Psalm 140, verse 3. They sharpen their tongue like a serpent's. The poison of a viper is under their lips. That's the world. Watch the news. Watch media. The things that get said and done, lies are spoken as if they're truth. Insults, condemnation, ugliness, that's the way of the world. The Apostle Paul quoted that scripture when speaking of the fallen world in Romans 3, starting with verse 10. This is nothing new. They were dealing with it then. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps or vipers is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That sums up humanity's complete wickedness without God. And he's quoting the Psalms to describe a world, describe a time of evil. Evil that comes from the throat, the tongue, the lips, the mouth, the feet, and the eyes. The heart is a tomb. It's buried. It's dead. The throat is corrupted. It's spiritual decay. The lips are the fangs of a viper containing deadly poison. Words wound. They leave scars. Parents do it. Friends do it. Husbands, wives do it. They say things in anger, and even though they apologize, they can't retrieve the words they've spoken. It should not be so. Humans apart from God, humans apart from a relationship with the living God, are not blessing each other. They're cursing each other. They're not loving. They're bitter. And the cumulative effect of that demonic energy is bloodshed. And the demons get energy from the bloodshed. They're feeding themselves. I've said this before, and I've talked about it on Reflections in the Dark. I talked about it. On an interview this Sunday, a podcast I did, 
that all this evil, all of this bloodshed, all of this violence, the energy is accumulating. The, the enemy is accumulating energy. It's storing this energy. Every now and then it gets out, but then it creates more energy. What's it doing? It's getting ready for something. And we as the church should be getting ready. We should be storing love. We should be storing grace. We should be storing the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We should be concentrating on that. But where this started with James 3 is the position of a teacher or a pastor or a rabbi, whatever, was highly esteemed in the Jewish and Christian communities of the day. And because of that, many are attracted to it. It's still that way today. Everybody wants to be on the pulpit. Everybody wants to be up on stage. Everybody wants the microphone in their hand. But that's really not what it's all about. It shouldn't be anyway. That's why he says many should not be teachers, because you're going to suffer a stricter judgment. He's going to see how you handle his word. He's going to see if your life matched up to what you taught. But that would clear the pulpits if anybody actually believed that. All species of creature have been tamed by human effort, but the tongue can't be tamed. It's cunning persuasive it influences men salvation alone and being born again can help someone control their tongue the other thing about uncontrolled ungodly unkingdom like speech the tongue can defile the whole body of the whole person why are you telling me this richard you were you were telling us all great stuff before kingdom of this is kingdom of god stuff You want the blessings, you want the power, you want the anointing, you want what he wants to give you, then this is important. He didn't offer a revile or an accusation. He didn't revile them. He didn't say a word like a a, a lamb. He went to the slaughter. He could have said and did a lot of things, but he didn't. Matthew fifteen ten and 11, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Later on in verses 16 through 20 of Matthew 15, are you still without understanding? Do you yet, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. They defile a man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, f- thefts, plural, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. The kingdom of God is not food or drink. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, his righteousness. Luke 6.45, a good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. What are you speaking? Whatever it is, it's coming from your heart. It shouldn't be this way. It ought not to be this way, as Paul said. 2 Corinthians 5.17 and 18, therefore, Therefore, if anyone is in Messiah, 
He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. How are you going to have a ministry of reconciliation if what proceeds from your mouth is not kingdom of God, is not a kingdom of God voice? Your life experience will continually be disturbed by the tongue unless it's kept sanctified. Ungodly assumptions, misrepresentations, falsehoods, jealousies, envying, wrath, and malice all form a part of the destroying flames of fire from the tongue of the ungodly. Wait, I've, I've heard that phrase before. Wait, Galatians five nineteen through 20. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, who practices these things? The world. Those of the kingdom of God should not be practicing it. I believe that we are in a season or about to enter it. Maybe we're already in it. Where evangelism, not preaching, not teaching, not what we would call evangelism, but living evangelism by your witness, by your life, by what you say and do, is going to explode. We're in that final harvest. So it's important right now that your behavior, your thoughts, the words you speak, the way you walk, is a witness for the kingdom of God. David struggled with these things. Of course, he wasn't born again, didn't have the Holy Spirit. But he did understand Psalm 17:3. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Psalm thirty-four, thirteen: keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Why? Matthew twelve, thirty-seven: red letters. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. How is he going to know what you said? Your DNA is going to play it back for him. It's recording everything. Folks, we are representative of the kingdom of God at all times. So I'm going to pray right now that if this applied to you, I know it applied to me, sat here with the Lord all day and had a great time. And I mean that, and I don't mean that. I had a great time when I got to the other side of the correction. We are representatives of the kingdom of God. We are In this world, not of this world. This is not our home. We are diplomats. So, Father, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, by your spoken word, by your spirit, by your name, first of all, be glorified. Be glorified. You are King. You are Lord. You are the great I Am. You are the living word. 
and we are your children. And we just come to you right now, Holy Spirit, and say, search us. Test us. Go through us. Go through our bodies. Find those areas that are not lined up with the kingdom, not lined up with the word. Those areas of our life that are still out of order, still like the world. Search us. Search us. Search us. Shine the glory upon us. Let everything that's not of the kingdom, let everything that is not of the Lord, let everything that is left over from the world, let everything that the enemy may have hidden somewhere to go retrieve at a later date, let them all be found. By the fire of the Holy Spirit, let the sludge rise to the top. And I say, let it come out in Yeshua's name. Let it be wiped away by that nail-pierced hand. Take it away, Lord. Take away everything that's not of you. Take away every ill-spoken word or bad thought. Take away every emotion. Take away everything that's been spoken into us and upon us, every false teaching, everything that we've accepted that doesn't line up with your kingdom. Right now, Lord, we're looking for a kingdom of God vaccine, which is the blood, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. Purge us of the virus of this world and this fallen world system so that we can run, we can rise up, we can shine, we can burn bright, we can set the captives free, we can preach the word, we can heal with a hug or a look or a smile. Let your love shine through us, Lord, but to do that we need to absorb it, and to do that we need every hindrance gone. Heal our hearts. Heal us deep, deep, deep into the inner person. Let go. I know You know who you are. Let go. Let go of the wounds. Let go of the unforgiveness. Let go of all the things that have been done to you that you've worn as a badge of honor that you've used to excuse things in the name of Jesus. Let go. I just declare and I decree, if you so desire to be free, that you are free indeed in Yeshua's name. Amen. Kingdom of God, all times. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.